0: Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapelville, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Almighty God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. Once again, I'm Pastor Corey, and it is a joy to be together. Many of you, uh, this doesn't often happen, get to hear this sermon for a second time. Uh, which is exciting for you because what if you miss something? Uh, the only thing that will most likely be different is that I won't have security remove my eight month old um, during it, so, but everything else should be the same, so. Uh, but good morning once again. Who here has driven on SDs lately? Yes, thank you. Uh, and who has been frustrated driving on SDs lately? Uh, avoiding it most likely? Who's made the mistake of knowing that the road work has been happening and you should take a different route and yet your brain's autopilot forgets and you go that way anyways? I have. No matter how prepared we are, no matter how much we know we shouldn't go, we should go a different way, how expected it is, change is hard. Change is hard. Transitions are difficult. Rewiring our brain from autopilot is hard. All I had to do was mention essays, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yet I have often heard the phrase, the only constant in life is change. Change is always happening. The only constant in life is change. We go to a new school, we change jobs or careers, we move, we lose relationships, our health declines, we welcome a new family member, we lose someone we love, The changes we endure, the list, is absolutely endless. And as I said, nothing, no matter how prepared we are, prevents us from experiencing the challenges of change. Think of retirement. That doesn't come as a complete surprise. Or having a baby usually doesn't come as a complete surprise. (laughs) You have some time to anticipate it, but it doesn't negate the challenges ahead. Change requires a steep learning curve can make us doubt ourselves and feel unstable or insecure, it can make us question the choice to make the change or if the change was forced upon us to ask the question, was that fair? Change is hard and it is inevitable. Our scripture this morning from Second Kings is a story about change, about transition, about saying goodbye to one way of being in the world and embracing a new way of being in the world. Our scripture today is about trusting God in the change. And in our passage, we hear the story of Elijah's ascension. The passage, passage tells us that on the day God was about to take Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, his, his mentee, go on a journey together. Now, I'm going to use both their names a lot, and I'm going to try to enunciate, but bear with me. Elijah's time on earth is coming to an end, and the underlying reality is that Elisha must step forward and into the space Elijah once filled. After Elijah is gone, Elisha will be the prophet. Elisha will be the one to speak to the people on behalf of God. And with this, Elisha's life will never be the same. I love this interaction between this prophet and his students so much, because Elisha is so attached to Elijah, and we can understand why we could imagine why Elijah is his teacher, his mentor, his master, his traveling companion, his prophet father. Elijah is the grounding force in Elisha's life. But no good thing and no bad thing. no circumstance lasts forever. And so here on this day, the Lord is going to take Elijah to God's self, and Elisha knows it. And so they go on a journey together, and along the path, they encounter some folks. That was in between the two uh, sections of scripture we read. They encounter some folks, and as they go, those individuals ask Elisha, you know, you do know Elijah's going to die today. And what they're really asking is a question underneath that question. They're asking, Elisha won't be here anymore. Elisha, are you ready? Are you going to be okay? To which Elisha replies, I love this, so human. Yes, I know. Please be quiet. Please be quiet to such a human response. Don't take precious moments away from me right now. This is all I have left with him. Everything is about to change. I just wanna be in the comfort of his presence for a few more moments. I wanna stay by his side until the last minute. Can any of us relate to this? I sat with my own mentor, Gary, a number of years ago in hospice, blurry-eyed, very, very late into the night, I needed to leave, but I did not want to. I didn't want any words of comfort. I didn't want to be interrupted. I just wanted to stay by his side a little longer in the quiet. Because I thought if I spoke to him in the absence of anyone else that he might speak to me, give me advice, tell me what to do, how to live after he was gone. that change was hard. It's still hard. Not to have him, not to be able to ask him questions or seek his guidance and get his encouragement. Not to get a phone call asking where we'd like to have lunch on my birthday. I get so sad thinking he'll never meet my sons. I get sadder thinking I'll never hear his laugh again. He had the best laugh. And Elisha always knew Elijah wouldn't be there forever. He couldn't be there forever, but it didn't make this day of transition any easier for him. Elisha knew that once Elijah was gone, not only would he feel his absence, but he would have to step into that absence. He'd have to step into the absence Elijah left behind as prophet. And instead of being the student, he would become the prophet, the teacher. And so as Elijah is preparing himself for this transition, he asks Elisha, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything you need from me? And Elisha tells him, yeah, I need a double portion of your spirit. Whatever you have, I need twice as much. And again, I can so relate to Elisha here. If I'm going to do what you did, Elijah, I'm going to have to work a whole lot harder to do it. I'm gonna need everything you've got and more. Elisha says with this that he doesn't feel prepared for the task ahead. He didn't believe he was strong enough, faithful enough, prophet-like enough to take on this responsibility, and yet God chose him to do so. He was trained to do so. He was called to do so. And don't laugh too hard, But every time I read this story, and shout out to any of my siblings who are watching, they'll be very proud. Uh, But every time I read this story, the scene from Return of the Jedi comes to mind when Yoda is beginning to fade, and Luke is by his side asking questions, and Yoda prepares Luke. He's preparing him for what is to come. He tells him to beware the power of the dark side. That the force within Luke is great, the force to do good, to defeat evil, and that it is a force that flows from within Luke. It's something he has always had, but now he has to step into it. And then frail Yoda just vanishes. And there Luke is with the responsibility of the world upon his shoulders. The responsibility of making sure that the dark side does not prepare prevail over the light. The stakes are very high for Elisha and Luke, not to equate them, but you can follow my analogy. Stakes are high. Now, you may have experienced some kind of transition like this in a family. One person passes and you step into that position of matriarch or patriarch. You may have experienced it in a professional relationship. You went from assistant to associate to maybe manager or director you may have become the teacher, the mentor that once shaped you. In all those secular spaces, these transitions occur, but they also occur in sacred spaces. Today, as, pa- as Pastor Adam mentioned, we have the incredible opportunity to confirm several of our youth, youth who have been mentored, youth who have journeyed together toward a transition and toward a profession of faith that symbolizes a moment of change in their lives. Those who are confirmed today will publicly declare that they believe that God's goodness as modeled in the person and work of Jesus Christ is something worth sharing with the world. That Jesus' love is something worth living for. Now they are receiving from the great cloud of witnesses. Those who've come before us, in faith, the saints, unknown and known, and you're included, who have kept telling the story of God's faithfulness. These confirmands are receiving that gift and also that responsibility. A responsibility to live out the faith they profess, to live it out in their belief, in their love of neighbor, and in their witness, so that others may see their faith And be drawn toward it. Now that can feel like a heavy burden. It seems terrifying. I should know I'm a pastor. The stakes are high here. We are passing a mantle. We are passing a torch to you today to be light in a dark world. And you may feel like you need double portion of whatever other people have. But remember this. God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. God does not call the equipped. God always equips the called. And remember that Jesus' yoke is easy. And Jesus' burden is light. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will give you absolutely everything you need to pursue this life of discipleship. Now, that does not mean there will not be challenges or struggles along the way. But what it does mean is that you will never experience those challenges or struggles alone. Because of this community, because of your fellow confirmands, because of those who've gone before you and those who will come after you, looking to you for guidance and hope. Elisha didn't feel like he had everything he needed to become the prophet that Elijah was. And he didn't. Because Elisha was not called to be the prophet Elijah. He was called to be the prophet Elisha. And each of you is not called to be a disciple like Peter or an apostle like Paul or a pastor like Adam or myself. You are called to be you for God. And you all, everyone here gathered, we are all called to be who we are for God. With all the gifts that God has bestowed upon us, we are called to be who we are for God in whatever form that calling may take. Perhaps this morning you're feeling that tug of the Holy Spirit nudging you to step into God's call on your life, to receive a mantle from someone or some place. Maybe it's where you're learning. You're feeling called to teach or where you, you've been listening, maybe you feel called to speak, or where you've been served, you're feeling a call to serve. Or maybe where you followed, you feel a call to lead. Wherever that may be here at church, or in the community, or in your professional setting, or even in your own family, where are the places we don't feel equipped that God is still asking us to enter? Stepping into that space will require change and transition, and it might feel hard at first, because change is hard. But remember, there will be help along the way. Discipleship is a lot of on-the-job training. We learn, we grow, we change, we fail, we try again, we try again, and we try again. All with the assurance and comfort that the Spirit is still speaking, speaking through us and in spite of us and well beyond us. So as we follow the path laid before us and as we lay the path for others to come behind us, may we step into this moment boldly, boldly embracing the change and the challenges it may bring and may we do it all believing that the Spirit is still speaking to us. Let us pray. God of the generations, when we set our hands to labor, thinking we work alone, remind us that we carry on our lips the words of the prophets. In our veins, the blood of martyrs. In our eyes, the mystics' visions. And in our hands, the strength of thousands. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.